0: In this show, we focus on adversity and how we can use it to build us stronger from the inside and out. Our guest today is Marcus Aurelius Anderson. He's a TEDx motivational speaker, a mindset coach, and a lifelong martial artist. This guy's a warrior. His story is so uplifting and has so many lessons that literally we can take these lessons and implement them to our lives right now. At 38 years old, Marcus signed up with the United States Army, and while waiting to be deployed, he suffered a severe injury that would change his life forever. This guy died twice on the operating table. Bottom line, he came back stronger than ever. While the journey wasn't easy by any means, he used his mindset and adversity to his advantage to help him transform himself into a better man. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War Podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show... We interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War movement. Join me on this life altering journey where we recharge your mind, body and spirit. Hey guys, just a quick order of business here. First off, I wanna extend my gratitude again and say thank you so much for your overwhelming support Our numbers are basically through the roof every single week we catapult three or four times from the previous week so we are trending in the right direction because of you so I'm gonna ask you guys a quick favor and I've never done this before if you have not done so already please stop by the iTunes store and leave us a review it is so important to continue getting reviews on the podcast so we can continue trending higher iTunes algorithm reads subscribers and also reviews and keeps these aligned to keep you up in the charts. And the higher we move on these charts, the more people get to listen to us, the more we can push this movement into the hands of good, strong warrior minded men like yourselves. Don't forget, stop by manofwar.live forward slash guide and pick up your free copy of 8 Steps to Living the Warrior Lifestyle. I jam-packed a bunch of good information into this guide. This is not a bullshit guide. This is a straight-up, very, very solid um, guide. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Last but not least, the Warrior Development Program is going live September 1, 2017 at warriorbreed.co. This virtual training program is going to consist of video lessons, Q&A sessions, webinars, coaching, and of course is gonna develop a framework to living the warrior life. In essence, this is gonna get you battle ready for the game of life. Listen up guys, this took me over a year and a half to create. I poured my heart and soul into this program and I have no doubt that you guys are really gonna enjoy being a member of Warrior Breed. Anyways, thank you for your time and let's get right into the show. Welcome to the show
1: thank you for having me i'm happy to be here
0: awesome and listen we were just talking before the show here and uh some good stuff some good stuff here we're gonna explore and see where this conversation takes us Uh, we both have a very like-minded background and um, obviously we're heavy into that warrior mind concept so can you tell us a little bit about yourself here marcus
1: yes um I started doing martial arts when I was younger, when I was about 11 years old, started doing traditional martial arts, Japanese martial arts. Um, back at that time, Taekwondo was the big thing in the Midwest. So that and karate were the big things. Eventually met people that were doing Aikido, and I was very impressed with that mentality. And then got into Jeet Kune Do with my um, Sifu Liddell Elliot. That really helped me an awful lot. And all those things kind of set the... Uh, set the foundation of everything that I do in life today and gave me the, the things that I have currently that allow me to get where I am after all the stuff I've been through, all the service I've done, and things of that nature. So really, it's, it's shaped my life in every possible capacity, I believe.
0: All right, so your story is a very, very strong story, very powerful across the board. And uh, you're a man here that showed what it is to be a warrior uh, from, from a point... So what I want to do here is I want to take you to where your injury occurred. And maybe you can tell our listeners exactly, you know, just prior to that, how you joined the military.
1: Yes, sir. I joined the military at 38. I 35 is normally the age that they let you in at, but 38 they let me in. They, they did an evaluation of my, my PT scores, um, my ASVAB scores and things of that nature. I was in chiropractic school at the time. Um, I had sort of a shift in my life. And I realized that's not what I wanted to do. And the military had been calling to me my whole life. And I figured that my time was now. Got into the military, um, got through basic training. I I joined the infantry. I was 11 Bravo. Got stationed at Fort Drum, New York, in upstate New York. Uh, They're known for Black Hawk Down, the movie, the book, uh, illustrious unit. I was very honored and happy to be able to train with some of those men. Uh, My squad leader was actually in Fallujah. So he really knows of which he spoke, helped us a lot with our field craft. Um, in the process of training leading up to our deployment, uh, I got injured whenever we were training. We did all kinds of different training up there, but that week that we had done it, we were out in the snow, out in the cold, doing uh, you know heavy rucks, doing lots of rappelling, things of that nature. And as the the time went on, I, I was having a harder time holding on to the rope whenever we would do any kind of rappelling, whenever we would do any sort of climbing. My feet would get numb whenever we would run, whenever we would ruck. And I look back on it now and realize that should have been a big indication of what was going on. And then eventually one morning after all that hard training, I woke up and I um, heard a knock on my door. And I went to roll out of bed and my neck would move, but my my body wouldn't. And at first I thought, well, maybe I'm just stiff. Maybe I'm just sore. And it still wouldn't respond. And that's when I realized that I was in a lot of trouble. So. Paralyzed from the neck down, they, they were able to get me out of my room. They, they took me and they, they were able to send me down to the hospital in Syracuse and that's when they, they went ahead and did the evaluation and the, uh, the disc in my neck had ruptured. They did an MRI and they put me in the surgery immediately. Supposed to be a four hour surgery. It took about six and I actually died on the operating table twice in the process. So, um, after all that was in the ICU for about a week and then, um, found out that a lot of the damage on my neck was permanent and that they told me I was going to be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of my life. And that was uh, on my 40th birthday. So that's a hell of a way to really start things off.
0: No kidding. Yeah. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. Sir. 38 years old, you are sitting in front of the recruiter. I mean, what the hell does a recruiter ask you? You're a man of 38 <laughs> years old. What are you that, thinking?
1: That's, that's what he was saying. He was like, uh, you know, what's going on? Um, i got gotten divorced recently. It kind of fell apart quickly on me, and then uh, my uncle who was a really big role model on me, he actually passed away. He was in Special Forces in Vietnam, and these were all the things I sort of wanted to do. I didn't get in the military because I was in school or I was married. We were, you know, trying to have a family and things like that. So that was sort of holding me back, and then after all those things happened, I realized that there was nothing really holding me back, and if I was going to act, and I had to to make the initiation now and, and pull the trigger. He's like, listen, you know, you can do anything you want in the military. What would you like to do? He said, you're in great shape. He says, your ASVAD scorps are off the chart. You can do whatever you want. And I was like, infantry. And he's like, no, <laughs> wait a minute, Anderson. You don't get it. You can do whatever you want. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And he's like, hey, it's your life, man. Signed the papers, went down to MEPS, and went down to basic training in 2011. So, forbidding.
0: Yeah, that's a- That's a kick-ass story right there. So what drove you? So what drove you there? I mean, you know, you had to have something. I mean, let's go back to your childhood a little bit here and say, hey, you know, and kind of drive through there and say and see how you were motivated and what really brought you there. I mean, that warrior mindset. Let's talk about that.
1: Absolutely. Um, Even at a young age, I think that if you're open enough, you can understand a lot of it. You can see the that mindset in. And men of all all ages from the the classical period and in, in the Greeks, the samurai, the idea of Budo, the idea of that philosophy. And if you saw, as, as you understand very well, these were not one-dimensional figures. These were men that understood the idea of the way that you draw the blade had an entire effect on your life because it gave you attention to detail. The way that you were able to do a tea ceremony gave you that amount of sensitivity to understand when it was time to draw your blade. All those characteristics came into play whenever you were doing anything, whether it be on the battlefield or whether it be in a negotiation or a conversation. There was that common thread that that was gone through all of those things. So at that age, that really helped me understand it. It helped me a lot when I was going through, you know, when you're growing up, you see people that would encounter all kinds of adversity and things in their lives. And I would look at it a little bit differently than what they did. I understand that there were things that you can control and things that you can't control. So if you're doing the martial arts and you're sparring or if you're rolling on the ground and somebody's trying to choke you, you know, you can't just sit there and be a victim. You have to have the fortitude and the mentality that, listen, I know what to do. I need to be calm. I need to do this technique to get out of this. Or I need to be sensitive enough to evolve to the next position or whatever the next technique may be. Maybe if it's a personal defense encounter, drawing a weapon, anything of that nature, all those things built that foundation upon which everything in my life was built on. So having that knowledge and having that philosophy, and and again, started reading uh, Dao De Jing at 16 years old. I didn't always understand all of it, but just that idea of, of going with the flow and going with the energy around you, and that reinforced, again, the things you were reading with The Art of War with Sun Tzu. All these things kind of came together and dovetailed in my life to create the mentality and philosophy that I have today.
0: I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, going back, I could remember maybe 10, 12 years old, going to the magazine stand with my grandfather and looking forward to every month for the new black belt issue, the new Inside (laughs) Karate Illustrated, uh, Inside Kung Fu, and going there, just, I mean, just waiting for it every single week to see what new issues were coming out. And then I absorbed, I mean, Bruce Lee was one of my mentors coming up. And uh, I mean, I absorbed everything, every book that he ever wrote. I mean, it's not that he wrote that many, but about him and his collection. um, I mean, I absorbed every ounce of it. I mean, uh, you know, we definitely have a childhood of, of, of just understanding the concept of, hey, you know what? We want our life to be a very specific way we want that warriorship, that, that warrior fire in our lives. And yep. what I see now, Marcus, I don't know if you agree with me, and I don't want to get off topic here, but it's not there that often anymore. I don't see it. Hey, guys, just a quick pause in the action here. Don't forget to stop by manofwar.live forward guide and pick up the new ebook titled Eight Steps to Living the Warrior Lifestyle. It's completely free. All you got to do is switch your uh, email in there and we'll send it right out to you on a PDF file. I jam-packed that with some awesome strategies that'll get you started in living the warrior lifestyle. On another note, stop by Facebook, check us out. We're developing our new group page at Man of War Movement. That's facebook.com forward slash Man of War Movement. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Like you said, growing up as a, a kid and having that, that indomitable spirit and that humility built into you because you learned it quickly in martial arts. The minute you thought that you were getting a little bit too big for your britches, there would be an upper belt that would kind of keep you in your place. Um, now I, I agree. It seems like everybody now wants to have a, an opinion, but they don't want to have a responsibility. They want to have the, these ideas to be able to do something, but they don't understand the idea of working for it. The idea of having the humility, the idea of being respectful, not only to other people, but to themselves and that's something that is really missing even in some martial arts today i think you may agree
0: oh i i agree <laughs> i agree there's uh, way too many martial arts schools nowadays as far as um, you know we have schools and i'm not going to get into it here but i mean right. they're just not teaching the essence of true martial arts and uh, it's sad but that's the way that we've gone now switching hats here i want to talk about fortitude now Fortitude has been one of the core precepts that a warrior lives by. I mean, without fortitude, you have zero power to go on and forge ahead. So my question to you here is this, when have you implemented fortitude in your life?
1: I've implemented it in in every part of my life. The, The biggest time would probably be obviously during my injury when I had no other choice and I had to to do nothing other than to move forward, that fortitude is what kept me resolute. That fortitude is what gave me the vision and mindset and purpose to be able to do so. I was in the darkest point of my life. I, I'm not afraid to say that I would have committed suicide if I didn't have that kind of resolution and that fortitude because it would have been really easy to kind of just let things go down that road and play the victim and say poor me and just have a pity party. Um, but I knew that I was better than that. I knew that the people that had spent so much time teaching me martial arts, my, my uncle who had taught me so much about having self-respect, all those things would have been at waste if I hadn't have actually implemented the, the knowledge that I had. So without understanding the necessity of resolution, you wouldn't be able to actually apply it because it's just like anything you can read, um, you know, Zen in the martial arts, all those stories are great, but putting them into play, having that mindset at the time when you're going through this hardest point in your life. If I didn't have that knowledge beforehand, if you would have just walked up to me and said, Hey, Marcus, you know, suck it up. You're going to get through this. That's not what you need. That's not what you're going to hear. That's not what you're going to listen to at that time because you're not physically or mentally able to absorb it. But by having that implemented in my mind for years leading up to it, only then and it still took three months before i actually came back to that truth and said you know what there has to be something there has to be a reason why i'm going through this what is the lesson to learn from this that lesson was resolution that that lesson was to reinforce that mindset of the warrior to literally keep me alive and change my life
0: so you believe that your martial arts training your martial arts background catapulted you and gave you a little bit of an edge to apply that warrior mindset
1: oh it absolutely did break it absolutely did yeah as in in the military the martial set is there martial means warlike so the martial idea was there but the philosophical aspect is it wasn't always there so um guru nasana says the only thing that separates a barbarian from a martial artist is the philosophical ideals that they they hold on to and it's it's the truth if all i'm doing is grabbing a stick or a knife and just slashing you know angle one angle two at somebody that i'm no different than a A criminal but it's the idea of understanding why am I doing this do I need to do this am I defending somebody else that can't defend themselves am I protecting myself do I need to do this at this point these are the questions that a warrior asks all the time and these are the questions that reinforce the philosophy and that idea of resolution
0: what was a turning point in your life where all of a sudden you clicked and said okay now I'm turning this on and I'm going forward
1: lying in the bed for for that amount of time and then realizing that basically the only thing that's going to change is me i can only change the situation if i embrace this adversity I, I, when i started seeing my adversity as a gift instead of a curse is when i started to actually click over as a matter of fact about a week after i made that decision to look at this as something positive that's when i started having a little bit of movement in my left hand um, mm-hmm. And I can't think of any other example that's more powerful than that. I kept trying to avoid it. I kept trying to resist it. So just like in judo, if the guy's pushing on you, don't push back. Wait for him. Now you have a Sotogari. Now you have Kodagaish, gaish. Now you have all these other techniques. I can't always resist something when it's stronger than I am, when it's more powerful than I am. You can try to resist the ocean. It's not going to help you. You have to go with it. And only by having that philosophy are you going to be able to survive because if not, it will crush you. Uh, My father and my great uncle were my biggest mentors. My parents were divorced when I was eight years old. Uh, When I started to live with my father, that's when I started doing martial arts because that actually helped me with a lot of the resilience and a lot of that that strength and mindset that we discuss right now. Um, When I wasn't living with my father, when I was living with my mom, my great uncle was the one. He was in special forces in Vietnam. And he didn't really teach me martial arts per se, but he's the one that taught me about respecting myself, other people, uh, women how to respect women, how to be good to those people, because that was a reflection of myself. If you don't respect somebody else, whether it be in the martial arts or whether it be a co-worker, that shows you don't respect yourself. And that's a big reflection of what those things are. He taught me about hard work, taught me about, it was basically a modern day stoicism because, for example, we went hunting one day and we're out there and we're walking around, it's cold, and we're sitting down waiting for, um, waiting for the, the dairy to come by and, I'm just shivering. And he says, are you cold, do you want to go back? And I was like, no, I'm okay. And I look at him and I'm like, you don't look like you're very cold. And he just kind of smiles and he says, "Uh, do you think that the cold really cares about you? And, uh, you know, I'm nine years old and I kind of stop and I think, well, I guess it really does. And he's like, it it doesn't. He's like, it doesn't hate you but it doesn't really care about you. He said, so what you need to do is instead of focusing on the cold, focus on why we're here. Focus on our purpose. If you focus on that, you stop worrying about the cold because you can't control the cold, but you can control your purpose. And that was a big, big lesson because that holds true in everything today. It's pretty amazing. I was very lucky to have those people in my life.
0: Yes, I mean, those were uh, definitely having good people in your life makes a uh, big difference. People that you can look up to and that could just say maybe a word or two that'll inspire you, motivate you, and just kind of get you over that hump. Sometimes it's all you need. So what have been your biggest successes in life?
1: Wow. There are a lot of them. When you look back on them, if you, if you had the right attitude, um, I would say probably my biggest success is, you know, overcoming my, my injury. But I would also say the impact I'm able to make on people now because of that, um, I've, been able to get a little bit of attention lately, and when you have a person that sends you an email or a message or wants to talk to you and they say, hey, listen, you know, I was thinking about taking my own life until I saw your your talk or until I, I heard some of the things you said on a podcast interview, it's amazing. You never know how far reaching something that you and I may say right now, how far reaching that can be for thousands of people tomorrow. Just like you were saying, that one kind word may be the thing that changes the difference in their life, not from just having a good day, but from continuing on with whatever they're trying to do. Absolutely. That's the that's that's what I feel is one of the biggest um, victories in my life. I I'm grateful for everything, but those are my biggest victories, is to be able to make a positive impact on people, to show people that they are much stronger than they get themselves credit for. And that when we look at adversity as something that we don't want to embrace. It's hard for us to actually see the prize on the other side of it. But when you realize, listen, I don't want to pick up this heavy weight. But when I do, and after I get through it and I give my maximum effort, I want to be stronger for it. When I go through and I go through this difficult situation, I'm going to be a stronger person on the other side of it. We don't want to do it at the time. It's like a coach or it's like an instructor or a sifu or a guru that's that's pushing you harder. But only by pushing to those other levels are we able to reach even a, the tip of the iceberg of what our potential is.
0: So you believe in pushing beyond your self-imposed limit. And at Absolutely. that point, when you're in that zone or that flow, that's where you're gonna gain your strength and that's where you're gonna take that step to that next level.
1: Absolutely, we. these are areas that we can't get to unless we put in that work, unless we put in that sacrifice. Unless we've done it consistently enough to where we're able to create some sort of skill set to to make that happen. You know, they always say that repetition is the mother of skill. That's the idea, the repetition of of facing that hardship, the repetition. Back whenever you and I, back when our, our DNA in the caveman days, we didn't have to push ourselves because just to be able to kill something and drag it back to the cave... That was the adversity that we faced every day. We didn't have to listen to a podcast to tell us about these adversities, to tell us about mindsets, to tell us to be a warrior. It was already apparent. But then as the days have come on and now that we have the Industrial Revolution, it's easy for us to become complacent. It's easy for us to complain about everything. It's easy for us to allow ourselves to be victims and to have a reactionary mindset. And if you do that in today's day and age, you will be victimized by a predator or a situation that you are not strong enough mentally or physically to overcome. And that's why we have to do what we do every day.
0: Now, I heard your uh, TED Talk. And uh, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to talk about what you did. And, and, and I mean, I figured you composed that talk in your mind. And uh, tell me a little bit about that experience.
1: The uh, w- When you do a TEDx talk or a TED Talk, you have to do it for the right reasons, and the reasons that are you have to have a good idea that it's worth spreading, that's what they always say. So, the first half of the talk is actually just memorization of passages from my book that I have coming out. So, the other half of the talk is what I'm trying to, okay, just like the Chinese philosophy of a finger pointing at the moon. You know, don't look at me, look at what I'm trying to point at. So I try to give a small background about what happened to me to show that I have an idea of what I'm discussing. And then to point at other people that are, have gone through far greater adversity than what I've ever faced, what I will ever face, because I'm a citizen here of the United States and how lucky I am. So the the big idea was to show people again that they're stronger than they give themselves credit for, and that and they may be sitting here complaining about their latte being too cold or this <laughs> restaurant doesn't have Wi-Fi. You know, oh, you oh, hear oh, it oh. all the time.
0: These people you that there.
1: have the yeah, they have the audacity to to cry about that stuff. And you're like, well, that shows me two things. One, that you haven't been pressed towards anything. And two, that you need to be. You need to find something to embrace. That's some sort of adversity to make you stronger. So going through those talks, I wanted to make the impact to show people that. It's like, we have it really good here. We have every possible opportunity here. And the only thing that stops us from doing those things is our own, like you were saying, self-imposed mental limits. So if you want something, you have to put in the work. And again, so all those lessons that you and I have learned since our childhood, you do something, you do it well, you do it with urgency, you do it properly, and it will serve you if you have to defend yourself. It's like life insurance. I pray that you and I never have to learn the things or use the things that we've learned. But if we need it, I'm glad that we have it.
0: Absolutely. It's always good to have in the tool belt. The always. important part is making sure that you're honing it. Um, you know, a okay. lot of a lot of guys that... Uh, go out there and, you know, just give you an example, carry uh, handguns on them and they don't go to the range ever. In mean, two, three, yep. four, five years, they're not honing that craft. They're not honing that skill. And therefore, the connection between their body and mind is not there. They might think it is, but it's not there. So, you know, like you, you were oh. saying, I mean, it's so important to be able to to be there, work at it, put in the work. You know, do the action. You can talk about things all day long, but if you don't put boots to ground, you got nothing. You know, you got nothing. And uh, so talk to me a little bit about uh, the way that you see your career moving here and where you're headed
1: well, I, I still, martial arts is always going to be a part of my life. I'm I'm always going to do them in some capacity, whether I'm teaching, whether I'm doing them, whether I'm giving a seminar, whether I'm learning a seminar. But I'm going to continue doing that in addition to coaching has become a big part of my life. Uh, speaking, obviously, is becoming a big part of my life. I'm going to be speaking in January in uh, Lisbon and over in uh, Portugal, doing some speaking over there, some other speaking engagements here. Um, I also have a book coming out in October, and the idea with the book is to sort of give the lessons that I learned and, more importantly, relearned from my injury because you and I understand, you know, like, for example, if you don't break fall very often and then you get thrown, that's when you have a hard time, right? So you relearn stuff that you may have forgotten is so important, and that's what I'm trying to do is put those things out and, and just try to help make an impact on people, help people realize Again, that they're stronger than they think they are, but also to help them realize that they need to start looking for small adversities every day, like small micro adversities, that they can apply to allow them to to gain that resilience. You don't pick 400 pounds off the ground the first time you deadlift. You got to put the little bitty weights on there sometimes, you know, just to make sure your form's right so you don't hurt yourself. And then eventually, you can get to that point. It's the same thing with with resolution. It's the same thing with resolve with the mental fortitude that's required to to do Whether it be what you do every day, what I do every day, or what everybody else does in their normal day-to-day lives as a parent, as a father, as a son, as a soldier.
0: What is your uh, definition of a modern-day warrior?
1: Man, that's a great question. My definition of a modern-day warrior is a person who has a skill set to defend themselves or somebody else that's unable to defend themselves but also to have the the mindset to know when to apply that and to help others see that mindset and then embrace that entire culture. The, the martial arts is, is in every part of us, it's in every fiber of our body if you look for it. And once you recognize it, you can see it everywhere that you look. And that's the idea, as, as we're always talking about, trying to learn, empty your cup, be open, and be willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, Guru Nasana says, if the minute you stop learning is the minute you stop growing. He's 81 years old. That man has literally forgotten more about martial arts than I will ever learn. So the reason why he's done that is because he's been open, because he's willing to learn, and that's what I'm trying to do every day. And obviously, you are as well with what you're doing. So,
0: yeah, the Daniel Santo, I mean, he is—he's uh, an unbelievable individual. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Now, usually, what I like to do is I like to kind of go into your life a little bit. Can you give our listeners just a, an idea, a daily glimpse of your daily routine?
1: My daily routine right now, I, I get up early. I, I go work out. I do it in a fasted state. So before we had our talk today, I went and did uh, kettlebells, kettlebell swings, because it's kind of a dynamic movement that you use for what we do in the martial arts. Um, just some uh, kettlebell goblet squats. I can't really put a lot of weight on my body because of my injury obviously but i do what i can to keep it sort of ballistic and functional after i'm done with that i i come and write because i like being in that kind of primed mentality whether it be writing on my book to finish it up or writing a blog post or whatever get some food i try not to eat a whole lot of food after i work out because it'll make me sleepy and then i won't want to actually do what i need to get done from there if i'm teaching a lesson i'll teach it in the afternoon or if i have training that even i'll do the training in the afternoon um. Once I've got all that done, I come back to, usually I'm trying to read something, something to increase my own edification, whether it be you know, something classical or whether it be something modern. Um, you were talking about uh, Black Belt Magazine. I was lucky enough to write a, an article for Black Belt Magazine this month, as a matter of fact. And so that's sort of a childhood dream that's come true and trying to continue to to feed my brain the same way that we feed our body, whether, whether with exercise and with the quality food that we put into it.
0: What is the most recent book that you've read?
1: I'm currently reading The Perennial Seller by um, by Ryan Holiday. The book that I've recently read, the one that I read all the time, at least once a year, is Thick Face Black Heart by Chen and Chu. Um, Sun Tzu's Anything by Him is Phenomenal.
0: Excellent. Uh, excellent book. Uh, yeah, Thick Face yeah. Black Heart. Yep.
1: Yeah. People, a lot of people don't know about that one, you know? So I, I like going to that. Um, Obviously, anything by Marcus Aurelius or any of the Stoics are, are nice, um, and that's the, th- the nice thing about it. You look at what those people said in Thick-Faced Black Heart and in, in Taoism and Stoicism. They may say it differently, but it's it's very similar. There's the very common thread that goes through there that shows it's like listen: one, you're responsible for what you do; two, you're not responsible for what you, what goes on around you necessarily. So you have to be able to be strong enough to endure and go through that because sometimes life doesn't always hand you stuff on a silver platter whenever we want it that way, so.
0: All right, so we have uh, what we call warrior hacks. Warrior hacks basically are just daily micro um, actions that you do to keep you on top of your game. Give me one or two of those, something that you do daily, ritually daily, that keeps you on top of your game there.
1: Um, First one that everybody can do, no matter how skilled or unskilled they are in martial arts, situational awareness, my friend. Everybody has to have that, whether it be knowing where your kid's at, whether it be knowing where that person is in the next lane to you when you're driving, whether it be you walk into a restaurant and you see somebody that's making a lot of noise in the corner. It's important to be aware. Um, You don't have to mean mug everybody and look like you want to beat everybody up, but you need to be aware of what's going on around you because that keeps you present, that keeps you right now so that you know what's going on. Put your phone down for a minute, you know, be engaged with what's going on with you right now, and that's what will help you have the advantage if we're not aware of what's going on around us, is, again, that's when it's easy for us to get victimized. The other stuff that I do is I try to challenge myself to, even with mental exercises, um, you know, if you're having a conversation with somebody or if you're listening to something that you don't really agree with, I'll make myself listen a little bit longer just to see why I don't agree with it. You know, what part of that do I not agree with? Is that because it doesn't function with my warrior mentality? Or is it because maybe this person's saying something I don't like? Maybe it reflects something on me that's a weakness. Doing those things to reflect, to keep myself honest is, is the key, just like with martial arts. If I close my mind off and say, I don't want to do any kicking and punching because I just like jiu-jitsu, well, that means I am going to be victimized by a person who may be a better kicker or puncher. If I say I don't want to do weapons because I don't like carrying weapons, well, then I'm going to get victimized by that. Same thing with multiple opponents or whatever it is. Those hacks help. Um physical hacks that I've done that actually help people with technique, even when I teach, the, um, the Tabata protocol is 20 seconds of full exertion, 10 seconds of rest, that's for four minutes. And if you have a person that you're trying to really encourage either a new technique or reinforce a technique that they haven't had for a while, by putting it into that adrenal state, it really forces you to get to the, a higher level a lot faster than i found. So from a physical martial arts standpoint, that's something great that maybe a lot of people don't know about. So,
0: Very good, very good. What's your diet like? My diet uh,
1: i I fast completely on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I just drink water. Uh, that's just because of um, I'm not as active on those days. And in the military, I learned that you know you don't always go with gift food a lot of times, and it helped me learn a lot about th- what the body needs when it comes to that. When it comes to my food, I try to keep it, I try to earn it. So you know if I've worked out hard, I need carbohydrates, but I try to get something that's clean as much as I can. Um, on days that I don't need as many carbohydrates or days that I haven't earned the carbohydrates, I'll just try to stick with some proteins and some fats because our body has to have that, of course, too.
0: Do you think on the days that you fast, it's also a test of your mind to get through the day?
1: That's exactly it. You're absolutely right. I didn't even mention that one before, but that's it. Um, drinking that water, keeping that mental fortitude of of staying focused, it forces you to, you, you don't have this luxury of knowing that you're going to have food. So it's, in a lot of ways, it's even less of a distraction because I'm not thinking to myself, I have to eat at noon. It's like, no, I don't. I have to finish the task ahead of me.
0: That's right. I mean, fasting at times is an awesome way to build your mindset and to, de- to develop that fortitude. Even if you go without eating, even for starting off for 12 hours, I mean, yep. it, it really builds up that fortitude. All right. Now, the last thing that I'm going to have you do here, and uh, we're about to close, but what advice would you give our listeners that want to learn to live the warrior lifestyle
1: i would say push the organism guys if it's not if it doesn't force you outside of your comfort zone it's not making you better read as much as you possibly can all the stuff that we mentioned today um, whether it be black belt magazine whether it be thick face black heart read something find something if you want to learn something new read a book that's old yes the older the better because Amen, everything brother. It's, yes. it's true. Everything that you hear today is a rehash or a refurbish yes. or a, a variation of what has been said for centuries. There is not one feeling that you and I have right now that hasn't been felt by hundreds of thousands of people for centuries before us. Everybody's felt scared. Everybody's felt excited. Everybody's felt anger, all these things. The way that you can get a, a leg up on anybody else is by reading somebody else's book because it took them a lifetime to create that. Take that knowledge. Take that advantage. Stop waiting for somebody else to hold your hand and give it to you. Earn it.
0: Straight up. Straight up. Absolutely. Where can people reach you, Marcus?
1: Um, I'm at marcusareliusanderson.com is my website. If you go there, you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can find out more about my book. I'm on LinkedIn at MarcusAureliusAnderson.com, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those things.
0: Well, what about your book? What's the name of your upcoming title and can people pre-order that book?
1: Uh, The book is called The Gift of Adversity. It's the same name as my uh, TEDx talk. And the book will be out in October. If you go to my website, we can get you on the pre-order list as well. And we can give you uh, some of the the cool kind of freebies and insights. And we'll talk about a lot of the things that you and I spoke about today. And that's the idea is to try to give as much value as I can and quality of value as well.
0: Sounds great, brother. Hey, listen, we would love to have you back soon, man. It's been a freaking awesome talk.
1: Absolutely. Great stuff.
0: Man. And uh, I really, you know, I admire your your mindset, your, your drive. And uh, I'm proud of you, man. I mean, we need more men out there like yourself.
1: Well, thank you. That's what you and I are both doing. That's our mission, right? You to make it happen. It. Absolutely.
0: So, absolutely. Listen, stay in touch. And uh, of course, stay safe out there.
1: I will. You too, my friend. I'll talk to you soon.
0: You got it. Gentlemen, thank you for spending time with us. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so you can continue receiving your weekly motivation and framework to living the warrior lifestyle. Also, visit us at manofwar.live and subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this podcast and you know other warrior-minded men that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. This is the way we grow our Brotherhood of Select Men. Last but not least, check out the Warrior Development online training program where the Brotherhood of Warrior-Minded Men continues to grow daily at warriorbreed.co. And finally, Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Man of War Movement. Look forward to having each and every one of you back on our next podcast. Until next time, remember, your journey may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your next battle may be your greatest victory. Stay safe, brothers.